to sustain our software. Today we have with us Pia Mancini. Hi folks. And then I am here, I'm Eric Ferry. This is the podcast where we invite guests on to talk about how we can sustain open source software going forward, not just the code itself. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Sustain. The podcast where we figure out who we are, where we came from, and where we are going. I am your host, Richard Litauer, but I am not the only host. And in fact, in this episode, we have no guests, or we are all guests, depending on how you look at it. So I would like to go around now and introduce everyone else. Justin Dorfman, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I just finished moving, so I'm just like ecstatic that I don't have to move anymore. Are you still calling in from LA? I'm actually in Ventura County, which is just 30 minutes away, but I'll always be LA. Actually, maybe it's a good idea. I don't actually know. Where do you work? The company? Yeah. What do you do for work? Yeah. We never talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I work for a company called Replays and we have an open source project that is a sandbox project inside of the CNCF. So I work on the open source program office to get CurieFence, the open source project adoption. That's CurieFence, C-U-R-I-E-F-E-N-S-E. They also have a podcast called Community Cloud Native, which I and Justin run. I clearly do know where he works, but I'm really glad that he works there (laughs) and that we all know that too now. The other major alumnus of this podcast, Eric Berry. Eric, how are you today? I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing, Richard? I'm good. Where are you calling in from and what do you do for work? Calling in from my basement in Utah. And for work, I work for a real estate company out of Denver that does a software to help real estate agents sell and manage their clients. You're also the only developer who actually develops. I might be the only developer, but I'm not the best developer. I'm certain of that. I have no proof to the contrary. Going with the Open Collective crew, Pia, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm nervous that my energy is now very like question, answer, host, answer. It was all fun and games until I started recording and now everyone's <laughs> okay, just so being good. really silent and nothing's happening. <laughs> Pia, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Madrid, Spain, from my house, and which I recently moved into as well. So very Ooh. happy about that. And I work for a company called Open Collective. Yay. Who else works for Open Collective? Ben, do you? And it'd be me. So joining into the theme, I moved house to the countryside in the west of England. It's very pretty. It's the least populated part of England, which tells you a lot about where I'm at right now. And I joined Open Collective shortly after I moved. I think it was the middle of March. So yeah, I've been spending the last six months doing seven months. I think it's seven now. Doing the job that I wanted to do for a long time. So yeah, it's been a great year and I'm really enjoying it. It's also Ben's birthday on Wednesday. That is December 1st. Everyone, please send him gift cards, wine bottles, and what have you. If you want to go on a bike tour, he leads a bike touring company through the hills. So thank you, Ben, for calling in. Gunner, who are you? How are you doing? I am well. I am coming to you from the smallest United State, Rhode Island, in the house that I grew up in and enjoying the chilly weather and the rakeability of leaves. And I run a small nonprofit called Aspiration that I guess is based in San Francisco, but increasingly just based on the web. 
Excellent. Thank you so much for calling in. Good to have another New Englander here for a change. I'm calling from Vermont. For those of you who don't know, I'm always wearing plaid. We actually have another panelist. It's Errol Fox, who is amazing and currently actually doing her PhD work during this hour. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Yeah, I snuck out of a PhD meeting about submitting exploratory papers to a conference to come and be with you for a short period of time. But a short period of time is a maximum of 10 minutes. So apologies. I just really wanted to make sure that I was here. No, thank you so much. It's amazing. It's great. What's your PhD in? Where is it? Oh, my PhD is in open source software and how designers contribute to humanitarian and human rights related open source software. What does that look like? What does it mean? Do designers do that? Do they do it well? How does it get received by the humanitarian and human rights organizations and all that kind of lovely stuff? It is the University of Newcastle and I'm in my first year and I'm very excited to be doing this research. It's pretty cool. There's not a lot of research There's lots of research about designers doing design work in open source software, but not like usability and things like that. But there's not a lot of designer research about designers being involved in humanitarian and human rights related open source software and what that means. So this little niche is quite cool. It is quite cool. If you want to hear more ramblings from Errol and me, we also have another podcast called Sustaining Open Source Design. Since I plug Justin's podcast, I can't not plug this one. And Errol is actually pretty much the main person behind that because they're the main person behind all design stuff. They're making faces, but that's really true. There's actually one other person here. And again, it's not Alyssa Wright either, who would be here if she could, but she's very busy right now working at her new job with Bloomberg. And she's very excited to be back in New York with bagels. Alyssa, we miss you and we wish you are well. No, there is another person here who is on every single podcast. They have listened to every single time we have said anything, including off camera, after the podcast ends and before. For those of you who don't know, I normally start every single podcast with the guests describing how it's going to run. And then I mention our two editors, Deanne and Paul. <laughs> hi, Paul. Hi, Deanne. How are you? Hi, Paul. Hi, Hi, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we get a response. Look what I made you. Yes. Deanne has made a flipping sign. It says happy 100th episode. Deanne, we love you. A cake would have been better, but okay, we'll take a (laughs) sign. That'll be for the 101th episode. Okay, great. Oh, exciting. Cool. Next week. Great. Thank you. This might also be a nice moment to say that we got you a gift, Richard, as well, just to say thank you for hosting 100 sustained podcasts, which has been an absolute gargantuan kind of effort. It's just been super impressive seeing you kind of pull all of this together over the course of God knows how long. But yeah, we thought about what we could get you that would be appropriate. And we plumbed for a membership to the Scottish Wildlife Trust so that you can go to any of their centres in Scotland whenever you want. You don't have to pay. And we've kind of tipped up the membership to make it a $100 membership for them as well. So hopefully they can look after some birds and you can go and check some out in Scotland whenever you are next back. You can do whatever you want. So thank you again. That will be winging its way to you, pun not intended, very shortly. Okay. I did not know that. I can't see red, but I'm pretty sure I'm blushing tremendously right now. That's really kind. That's really nice. Thank you. Thank you. You I will have to spend more time in Scotland. Uh, cool. All right. Thank you. Someone else take over. Can I can I make a 
a proposal for every new episode. So until the 200th episode, it may be instead of spotlight, we should do bird fact from Richard instead of a spotlight <laughs> because we're running out of spotlights at this point, right? So That's maybe true. Richard should be a bird fact, a hundred bird facts. So Paul, in the end, do you need anything? Do you want to say anything? Is there any way we could just hold a space for you to talk about open source sustainability or whatever you want? The only thing we really need to know, and you ask us every week and we never get an answer is where are you going? That's what I want for your 100th episode is where the heck are you going? What is in the future? So answer that question. (laughs) On a serious note, Paul, was your question about where is the podcast going or specifically where sustain i want to know where sustain as an organization is going what are your big future plans that is a great question so sustain is a really interesting thing we started out as a conference and we ended up as a podcast because this seems to be a really good way to have communications happen during a global pandemic we are going to have in-person meetings again and in fact we are already having them like two weeks ago oscar open source community africa had a freaking sustain event, which is the best. They are so cool and we love them. I hope it was awesome. Some of the tweets look super cool. Sustain will be having another one. We are working on planning that right now. We are imminently releasing, in fact, may have released with this episode, a 160 page report on what open source sustainability means and how to understand stuff. Ben is saying it's actually a hundred pages. It's a nice clean 100 pages and we did not intend for it to match as as nicely as that, but like 100 is the theme. So yeah. (laughs) Love it. So we're going to be publishing that, which is really exciting. And we're also hoping to have, I think more online events. And we also started another podcast recently. On Docs. Justin, you want to talk about the Docs podcast? Yeah. So Portia Burton and Eric Holscher, who are well-known in the documentation community, we did a pilot episode and it went really well. And I could be very biased, but I don't know. I'm so excited to launch it in January. And it's really cool because... Eric has a advertising network called Ethical Ads, and we're going to be able to promote that show to a targeted audience of documentation folks. So I'm just really excited that we'll get the word out there because more people that are getting exposed to getting started with documentation contributions, I think is a great thing. And Portia and Eric are, I think, the best host to basically talk to others in the industry and just their experiences. So yeah. Awesome. Go listen to that podcast too. So that's where we're going. We're going to keep holding space for people. We're excited about doing that. And if there's any other suggestions, we would love to hear them. I would like to talk more about environmental sustainability. Justin would like to never talk about environmental sustainability, but instead talk about sustainability. Wait, wait, I'm not the only one. <laughs> He's not the only one. There are multiple people, but and like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, the <laughs> scope, I don't want the scope to get out of fact, because I think when Kia and I first started this, it was continuing the conversation of open source sustainability like that was the thing so getting out of that scope there's nothing wrong with sustainability of planet it's just are we the best to do that so that was eric's sentiment as well if i'm speaking for you 100 percent. okay my sentiment is that the planet is part of open source and open source is part of the planet therefore what's its license is it an osi approved license i'm pretty sure when God made it, he pretty much said, do what you want. Like it was, feel free to remix and reuse. So uh, ultimately, Paul, we are going to the moon. 
Eric wanted to say a few words. Eric. I do, actually. And seeing Paul and Deanne on this show, it really brings back a lot of good memories from the beginning days that we started this. And I wanted to point out a little bit while everybody's here and while I can watch both of them blush a little bit, maybe. I wanted to point out how critical they were to the life of this podcast. To go back in history a little bit, when we started this thing, it was under the Code Fund brand and Code Fund was trying to run this thing. And Justin was really the person who ran it, put it all together, organized the shows, got everything up and running. And that was huge. But we didn't know anything about editing. We didn't know anything about running a podcast. And Paul and Deanne, they really came out and helped us and encouraged us. And oftentimes they pulled us off the edge of shutting everything down, saying, hey, this is really important. You guys should keep going. They've given us huge discounts, continue to give us discounts. They are as much a part of this show as any other person in this group here. So I just wanted to thank them personally and as a podcast for making this a possibility. We recently have seen 20,000 downloads, I think, and I think that's a huge mile marker. And and Woo-hoo. every single minute of those have been listened to by you guys. So thank you so much. You yes. really are a part of the sustained story. Yes. Thank you so much. No, thank um, you. It's been our pleasure. And we just like sitting in the background, nobody knowing about us. And right. We're just glad that we can get your message out there. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. Over the uh, 100 episodes, y'all become family to us. Errol, you mentioned something in the chat. We heavily back channel, by the way, for those of you who aren't convinced that we're like not doing that. You want to say something about the future of uh, SOS design? Yeah. So the design and UX working group is still going strong. You know, a year on, it has gone through several kind of iterations of what it means to bottom line and lead a community initiative or community working group around a particular topic in sustaining open source, which is design. So we're learning lots of new things about how to facilitate those kinds of conversations and participate always. But I think the podcast specifically, the sustaining open source design podcast. We've had some great conversations on that podcast, but some of the more recent conversations that we have yet to publish are starting to get into some of the really controversial, is the right? No, maybe not controversial, but the really tricky topics around like design within this space. One of our most recent episodes was really quite vulnerable for me because we talked a lot about what it means to give up your design work into an open forum and what it means to really truly embody the openness within something which is historically very the artist owner designers sort of often think of themselves not all designers but sometimes think of themselves as this kind of like author in a way and it's really not a conversation that we have had a lot in the design community as open source or, or not. And I really think that it, I, I mean, I say this a lot and I think that a lot of people are kind of probably getting a, a little sick of me saying this in the open source spaces, but I really do think that the time for design as a topic within open source has never been more rich and involved and interesting because of the amount of designers now kind of understanding what open source is, like in all of its different flavors and varieties, and wanting to participate in kind of new ways or old ways or 
different ways and kind of doing a lot of really interesting stuff lately. So I really do think it's a really special time for designers in in open source from what I can tell. And I'm really excited about the conversations we'll have in the future on the podcast and the things that we'll create within the working group and the space that we will occupy within the open source community. Love that. I wish we had more controversy on the Sustain podcast too. I think we're just getting there with some things. I'm sorry, you mentioned controversy and I think that there could be a lot of discussions. I don't mean to hijack this, but that really lends to the thought of the way we've been forming the podcast over the past two years. It's been very much guest focused, very much not necessarily what's happening at the moment, but more what's happening in this part of the world or in this part of open source. And I think that decision that we made does lend itself to a non-confrontational, more informational podcast. Again, I totally hijacked your sentence there. So I'd like to come back to you and with that and just ask you, please continue and forgive me for interrupting. <laughs> no, it's all right. I just wish I had the space to say that I'm not sure that corporate open source program offices actually lend a net benefit to the world at large. I'm not sure that open source is a net benefit all of the time. I'm not sure that Technology is actually good for us as a planet or a species. And I think we should probably all spend a lot more time meditating, a lot less time coding. But I'm not sure that anyone spending more than four hours in front of a screen is good for them and their mental health. So like nothing controversial in anything I was going to say. I mean, we're fine. Ben is looking very uncomfortable. Makes me I'm completely comfortable with controversy. I think there have been various opportunities for us where I've certainly thought about inviting a couple of people who have different approaches to solving problems about like paying maintainers. Would you rather pay every single contributor on a project or would you rather pay one or two full-time maintainers? And I just kind of feel like there is no right answer. There is always context is the biggest thing. I feel like there's no controversy or there's less controversy in the space because we are still trying things. And because there are so many different kinds of ways and different kinds of approaches that we're trying in different contexts that can always be appropriate. I think it's possible to create controversy, maybe specifically right now. We don't need any more of that because the world's controversial enough. But yeah, I also kind of feel like the time that we're in, in this space is such that, yeah, like anything kind of goes. And I feel like we should give everyone the space to kind of try things because if it works for them, it works for them. Gunnar, I know you often work with really interesting spaces. I'm really curious about your thoughts on this. I was just thinking as you were talking, I think that controversy can be broken down in a couple of different directions because I think that's another interesting taxonomy we might explore. I think there's the controversies that I call pragmatic, which license to use, what level of tool veganism, is it okay to use GitHub now that it's owned by Microsoft versus GitLab? That to me is one domain of controversy. And then I think there's a range of controversies around change. There are those who think the way that open source was conceived decades ago is the way it should always be. And that efforts to diversify and enrich and sort of broaden the analysis and the definition are a threat to the very sort of DNA of whatever made open source special, call it the, the sort of reactionary controversies. And then I think there are controversies of the moment, the things that happen because people do things or because life is messy. And so my mind was just given to sort of categorizing the controversies we might have along those axes, because I certainly think that there are more and less fruitful controversies to enjoy. I think on controversies that I think we can create a space to have good opinionated conversations. And I'll be up for that, to be honest. I think 
sometimes the whole having different opinions is linked to having conflict and it's not necessarily like that and i think that maybe if anything we can say like look this is a really healthy way of having a debate where we have different opinions and we're just going to do it in a civil healthy open fair mature way and without being offensive or pissing people off or things like that and if we can do that i think that's a big win I think like just showing that we can have conversations and different opinions in good spirit and civility, I think it's important for the world right now. It can show that we can have civil conversations about things that we really don't agree with. And I agree. There have been some people on the podcast that actually changed my mind. I can't remember exactly what episode or the person, but I remember getting off. I was like, I never really thought of it that way. And I think that's really... It doesn't have to be controversial, but it could definitely be a little friction, a little going against the grain and seeing if, hey, can this really be something that could change minds and maybe help sustain open source a little better? I think of myself as someone who has like strong opinions, but loosely held. And so I would relish the opportunity of being challenged on like some of those things in, in a way that it's amicable. Can I just also say something about like going back to the origins of this podcast that I think is something that reflecting on these past hundred episodes, something that I think we can improve. I think when Eric brought this up in London at the Sustain event, we wanted to do something that it was more of a tool also for communities in other languages and in other spaces to kind of mimic, I guess. We set out to create a blueprint for open source community Africa and the French speaking open source community and other communities that are non-Spanish, obviously, right? So to take on a kind of sustained conversation themselves in their own language. And I think we still owe that to our community in a way. Like, I think that is a goal that we set out and I guess life and pandemic and a hundred episodes later, but for next year, we should maybe try and restart that, figure out a path for us to create a framework or something that others can take and run with their own sustained podcast in their own language. They can support the Spanish speaking community being a panelist on some of them. I would love that. I just got an email from Nereida Lemos, a Brazilian researcher looking at digital infrastructure with indigenous communities in Brazil and how they use digital tools for environmental sustainability and for organization. And they're giving an awesome seminar next week on, I think, December 16th, which I can't go to. I mean, I could, but like, I don't speak Portuguese. It's in Portuguese. And I feel like there's a ton of awesome stories that we could totally share or that we could, I would love to have other people share who are fluent in those languages. I'm happy to give a podcast in Latin if anyone really wants that, but I'm pretty sure that's not necessary for anybody involved. But yeah, I would love multilingualism. If you speak another language and you're listening, please like reach out if you want to host a sustained podcast. We would love to work with you on that, especially Spanish, especially Chinese. I think there's a whole ton of areas that we're just not reaching at the moment. But yeah, that would be really cool. I love that idea. I do like the branches we've had into other podcasts as well, like the same podcast and the design one, the docs one. If you remember, you know, with nostalgia so heavy right now, originally the podcast was called SOS or Sustainer Software. And it was renamed to Sustain after 17 episodes or so. And we started over again. I'd like to go back to that thought of sustaining our software and just the word sustain and 
with the hundred episodes that we will have in the can here shortly, how do you see the impact that this podcast has made on open source sustainability? And then I'd also like to know, like, do you all think that we can measure open source sustainability? Is that something that we can say, well, here's where we are, here's where we want to we go and we can track our progress? Or is it more of just a concept that we'll kind of feel like, okay, we're there now, or maybe we'll never get there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We'll never get there. There'll always be a constant. There'll always be something to do. In my opinion, every time, every each year, you just see in more and more people that are joining boot camps and just graduating CS programs. That means there's more and more use. I think that package managers really get overlooked, especially with supply chain security as being such a hot topic now. Anytime someone does NPM install or PIP install, there's people behind that making sure that those requests are made downloadable. And more and more people that join the developer and open source community in a broad sense put strain on those servers and strain on the people that are keeping them up and making sure they're secure. The longer the tail gets, the easier it is to insert malware or security flaws. So no, I think our job will never be done. And I think it's kind of designed that way, in my opinion. I think there's a few different ways to answer that question. So first off, the impact. I've been moving a lot more in circles that are more abstracted from open source. So less coders but more like industries or universities. I helped facilitate a conference at the City Hall in Paris a couple of weeks ago with the City Hall, which is working with Johns Hopkins University to help out a community center using open source. And at that level, a lot of the people I talked to have come out and reached out to me and said, thank you so much for the Sustain podcast. We listened to it, which is really interesting for me because that means that people who are like organizing how massive institutions funnel into open source are actually listening to this podcast and that that may have an impact on the space. I also know that there's almost no open source community that hasn't been represented in Sustain over the course of the three conferences we've had, not including the satellite events where JavaScript, Ruby, Font Awesome, whatever you name it, like there's someone who's been to Sustain at some point. I feel like we could do marketing a bit better, but we are one of the only places in the space that really talks about the long-term ramifications of like how open source works and ideology of open source in the future. I see the impact constantly. As far as like, how sustain will grow and change and what sustain is. I think there's three different ways of looking at sustainability that I could think of right now. That's not, I mean, there's probably more, this isn't really thought out. One of them is sustaining open source software and sustaining maintainers. That's a really important part. And we will always have room to talk about how do we make sure that maintainers enjoy their work, that open source keeps getting made, et cetera. Another is sustainability of open source ideology, meaning how do we think about licenses? How do we think about the OSI? How do we think about industrial OSPOs? How do we look at the entire ecosystem level as opposed to, say, particular maintainers? And for me, also, another one I've mentioned this before, but is environmental sustainability. How do we deal with code as being part of an ecosystem of this world building things in a way that actually does that in a good way? Like, are data setters bad? I think that there's going to be a lot more conversations on that vein. Maybe what you and Justin are going towards, but I think are related to like open source sustainability as a whole. And I think all three of those will continue to have a space here. And I'm interested in seeing how those conversations move and grow. Sorry, that was, I talk really fast when I get excited. I, I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I was just going to follow up on that. I think maybe we have either slightly different interpretation in mind, or maybe we have a slightly different focus because within that, going back to the point about climate and so on, I, 
am focused on a particular part of that story and it is not the climate. And it's because I believe I have more information and, and more context and more understanding about one of those elements, which is about people and about using money in open source and about kind of promoting that as a thing that is possible and trying to balance some of the issues and kind of guide folks through that process. But yeah, I'm kind of also thinking in response to Justin's comment about maybe we'll never get there, but I can certainly envisage a future for me that would indicate that we are getting close to it, which is predominantly about like individual privilege being a requirement to contribute to open source software and about open source just generally having a degree of financial stability such that it is a genuine alternative to being a professional, in inverted commas, kind of software developer. Not having to make the trade-off, not having to make the balance, not having to have a company, a single company or a multitude of companies that are there kind of backing you because for that moment, it makes commercial sense for them. But certainly like for me, that's like the future that I'm trying to kind of work towards, whether I think I'll ever get there. I'm honestly okay with that. I continue trying to work towards it. I'm just kind of wondering, like, that's my personal take on it. But do any of you have a a different kind of focus? Do any of those kind of aspects kind of ring truer to you than that? Look, I just want a shirt, Ben. I see Richard with his sustained shirt. I designed half of those sustained cover arts. Give me a shirt. Where's my shirt? I, I gotta admit something. I thought I'd sent it with the first mail out, but it turns out it's still here. And I also have a few other shirts. So if you're interested, you can pay for a shirt. I think, I can't remember how much it is. I'm suggesting that people do a donation rather than just mailing out shirts to everyone because I also do care about the planet. So yeah. Ben, we're running up on time. Gunner and Pia, do you have any uh, responses to Ben's question? Ben's question or Eric's question? Eric's question, maybe. Uh, what, uh, either. Measurable as in like hardcore metrics. It's not so interesting to me, I guess. For me, sustainability has more to do with the ability of communities to be independent and to be resilient and to survive in time and especially to survive their members. And I think like one of the core things about sustainability has to do with a community that is able to sustain change in leadership. And like one example, PHP Foundation, that they recently lost one of their super core contributors and they're turning around. And I think they did an amazing job at going through that process and surviving and being super whole on the other end. And I guess that's hard to measure as in metrics for that. But that for me is a win for sustainability. And in our very small way, Open Collective and Open Source Collective were a part of that solution or that next stage in the life of a community with like a very heavy leadership transition. And I'm proud of that because I think that has to do with sustainability. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's any way to trace the specific impact of the podcast, but I think the podcast and the Sustained Project overall have been part of a shift over the last five years where topics related to sustainability have moved from reactive into a more proactive frame of mind. And that instead of sustainability as a bolt-on that we think we might have as a session at some other event, 
you know, sustain the website and the discourse forum have kind of become a destination. And so I think some of the impact is simply sustaining the dialogue, validating and creating space for the dialogue and welcoming others into the dialogue. I think in terms of whether or not sustainability is measurable, I think, again, it's on a spectrum because there are things and things that, you know, I was just talking to Ben about not too long ago that are measurable. Things like the percent of repositories that map back to individual developers versus to projects and collectives so that the hit by the bus factor is less of a thing. I think you can look at project vitality using the stats that various repository platforms give you. And so some of it's quantifiable. But I think at the other end of the spectrum, I agree with Justin that there's parts of it we'll never get to. I think all of our efforts for equity and diversity are a perpetual task. And I think that's something we need to be vigilant about infinitely far into the future and never consider fully done. And I think somewhere in the middle, there are just shifts in maturity and shifts in quality of life for open source practitioners. And I hope that we're part of that. Gunnar, you are, as always, my favorite bookend. You are just so good at saying yes. And then everyone's like, well, yeah, that's perfect. I have to wrap it up because we are going to run out soon. I know some people have a hard stop. So quickly, spotlights. This is the part of the show where we talk about things that we love, people who are the best and or projects that we want to share with other people. Gunnar, what is your spotlight today? I'm going to go to a different part of the open universe and shout out Open News. They are a project focused on journalism and open source tools in journalism and doing all kinds of diversity and equity analysis and impact for the field of journalism. And they are just a phenomenal group of folks. And I just encourage people to check out opennews.org. Thank you so much. Paul, what is your spotlight today? Okay. So since I'm the podcast editor, I'll highlight something audio-ish. There's a company called Descript. They specialize in AI podcast editing and audio stuff. And they do next level stuff like text-to-speech, speech-to-text, AI voice modeling, and they are the ones that have automated removal of ums and uhs, which I use a lot on this podcast. You can check them out at github.com slash Descript INC, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Right on the tip of your tongue. Beautiful. Eric Berry, Spotlight. My Spotlight is the Firefox browser and those that are still trying to fight for a non-centralized, single-company-governed browser that basically is our window to the world. So kudos to Firefox, kudos to all of their efforts, and to those that continue to support them. Love that. I agree with that spotlight. Justin Dorfman. I'm going with Gregor Martinus, M-A-R-T-Y-N-U-S. Without him, none of this would have happened. He introduced me to Pia. That was it. Fist that Gregor is my favorite human. Ben, my other favorite human. What's your spotlight? (laughs) Thanks. I'm going to keep with my space theme. So I saw a talk just yesterday that was recorded 10 years ago about the computer that landed Apollo on the moon and the fact that it was actually the hero of the story. It wasn't necessarily Neil Armstrong, especially since it failed five times in the last 2,000 feet of descent. So the shout out is for the National Museum of Computing, who put on a lot of talks like this and have one of the largest collections of historical computers that are still in working condition. It's in Bletchley Park in the UK. If you're visiting the UK or if you're from the UK, give it a shot. It's a great place. And yeah, I think we can learn a lot from the history of computing. Love that. Thank you so much. That's very cool. My shout out today is for SMAT, S-M-A-T, 
is a toolkit to analyze social media. It's an open source toolkit, and it's designed to help journalists, activists, researchers, and other organizations to analyze and visualize harmful content online, like hate, misinformation, disinformation. So it's a really cool tool, smatapp.com. Thank you so much. And my bird fact of the day, bird facts with Richard Latower, is that the Cooper's Hawk, which is one of three exhibitors known in North America, sometimes flares its undertail wing coverts when flying. So if you see a hawk flying away, that is not a beauty of species, nor a falco or any other weird thing, but it's definitely an exhibitor. But you see these big cottony things right underneath the butt. That is probably a Cooper's Hawk. Thank you all so much for listening to Bird Facts with Richard Littauer. And that concludes our hundredth episode. It's been really great to talk with you all. Before we sign off for good, I have to give a huge monumental shout out. I want everyone to say thank you to Ford and Sloan who have donated a ton of money to make sure that we are able to actually produce this podcast, pay Paul Mm -hmm. and make this all happen. So Ford and Sloan, two large philanthropies dedicated towards understanding how do we make the world better, have given money to sustain through Open Collective so that we can make this happen. Thank you so much. I don't think the officers would like us to give shout outs to them, but you know who you are and we love you. So thank you so much. Thank, 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 you. thank you. It was so much fun. <laughs> We're family. It doesn't matter. I love you all. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Have Thanks, a good one. Guys. Thanks everybody. Bye. 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 The 200.